What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gowen. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Pinella. What's going on, guys? It's Matt Pinella, carpenter out of Central California. Thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode of the Bread to Build podcast. Today, we're hopping on with Jared Kaufman. He's 19, a lead carpenter based out of Denver, Colorado, and on a path to do some pretty amazing things in his career. For today's episode, we're going to get his take on what it's been like as a next-generation carpenter, running crews, working with older tradespeople. Jared, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Oh, and Happy also, birthday as well. Yeah, happy birthday. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I swore you were turning 20, and then I found out you're turning 19. I'm that's even okay. more impressed. That's okay. I forget my age quite a bit so we're on the same page there can we do an entire episode of just happy singing the happy birthday to you i feel that like would, people would love that that would calm my nerves for sure that would calm your <laughs> nerves for sure. and our listening went down all righty jared i want to start off to get a brief backstory on how you got to where you are today just take us a little bit back in time uh okay well as I've mentioned before, um, my dad owns construction business, so I've been around it my whole life. There's, there's pictures of me like as a small enough baby to where they don't even make shoes for them. Like I'm wearing socks that are made to look like shoes, <laughs> like sitting in a skid steer or something. There you um, go. So I've been around it my whole life. Um, the first time I started really like working in it, I actually started doing like uh, like blacksmithing as a hobby kind of. So that's what I started with at, when I was like 11. Blacksmithing as a hobby? Yeah, at it sure is. Well, yeah, you know, burning was... hot metal with sharp <laughs> objects at eleven. Yeah, it was dangerous, but it's 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 all fun. What did you make? A lot. I mean, mostly like knives. Okay. All right. Most people are trading yeah. like Pokemon cards. <laughs> You're over here blacksmithing, man. That's uh, awesome. Don't screw My... with him. My mom didn't like Pokemon, so. <laughs> Go make knives. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. You can carry on. I got us off track there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I kind of did that off and on for a couple of years. Um, I went to a trade school um, for welding, actually, for two years. That was a two-year program. Um, I learned how to do all sorts of welding um, up until, like, you know, pipe gas welding, um, food grade, TIG welding, Got, did it all pretty much. Um, and then at the same time, I was also working for my dad. I started that when I was like 14. And then same thing with the trade school and then finished that when I was 16. And then uh, from then on, I was working full time. So how old were you when you graduated high school? Uh, 16. So the high school was like a, it was a, a different type of high school, right? You, you focused well, on a trade there? I was, I was homeschooled actually. Okay. Um, yep. So, so I was able to do, that's why I was able to work full time too. That makes um, sense. Uh, and also be able to graduate earlier. So yeah, I was homeschooled through all the way through pretty much. So you were, you were graduated at 16 and working full time. Yep. That's impressive. You said that your dad was a contractor. How long has he been in the industry and how did he get his start? So yeah, he's, he started his business when he was 18. I don't know entirely all the details. I know he was a carpenter in California. He worked in a cabinet shop. He, so he did a lot of like super fine stuff off the bat. And then kind of after that got into framing 
And I mean, he has stories that I feel like change my timeline all the time. I'm like, wait, if you did that, then like, how does this add up? I don't know. He just has so much experience that I don't really know how to fit together into the timeline. He came um, from California though? Yes. So it's where the best ones are from. I guess so. But yeah, he was a general contractor. And then from, from again, from my recollection of stories and stuff, it got to be pretty, pretty large scale. And then uh, I think around like 2008, all that stuff, it kind of like, you know, took a hit. And then I think he found like something that worked that like they could get through it. And then he's kind of stuck with that. And I think that's more so been like a smaller scale, but still uh, relatively. Because um, you, you guys are still, still a large, large business. I was going to say, you guys are still cranking out some big projects. What is it that you're working on right now? We're finishing up two five plexes. I think the total square footage of the, the two buildings together is like 14,000 square feet or something. Okay. Um, How many employees uh, are you guys running? Between 10 and 12. Um, not bad. Not they're bad. not all at one project though. So are, are you guys focusing primarily on rough framing right about now? That, that's like his uh, main go-to? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the, the majority of what we do. Okay. That's awesome. Definitely similar stories there. I, I'm curious to ask Jared, what, why didn't you stick with welding? Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I actually am still one of the welders. We actually have two other guys who went to the welding class with me and we're all certified and stuff. So I'm one of the welders for our company as well. It's just not as fun, especially not like I couldn't really, I don't think I could leave the new construction like dynamic. And when it comes to the welding involved with new construction, it's just dirty and it's messy and it's hard to get an actually good looking weld, at least for someone with my patience. Um, so I prefer, I just prefer framing pretty much. Like it, man. Um, Instant satisfaction, in my opinion. Exactly. I want to bring up a, a topic with you, Jared. Um, this topic of the next generation working with the more veteran trades. I know this is a big topic that a lot of people talk about because there, there's quite a few veteran trades that are nearing their retirement or they're just very, very experienced. And now we have a new generation of trades people coming in. And obviously with the, the 2008 recession and everything, they're created kind of a gap in the skilled trades. And I've really wanted to get your take on what it's been like for you. I, I mean, you're, you're 19, you're a lead carpenter. And I really want to ask and get your take on like, do you have any trouble working with older employees or just older tradespeople in general, or I shouldn't say older, but more like veteran um, tradespeople and like, what's that been like working with them? Yeah, it's been, I mean, for the most part, it's been a lot of learning from them. You know, I've worked with a lot of guys that were older than me. I mean, I've pretty much worked exclusively with people who are older than me. That's more so just because I'm so young though. But um, uh, I've, I haven't seen that much kickback as far as like being like, oh, you're too young or like, you don't know. I mean, every now and again, you can tell when people feel that way. And that's typically when I just try to keep my mouth shut and just let, let myself prove them prove myself, I guess. Um, and uh, that tends to work pretty well on this current project we're on, which I've been running. I, I purposefully didn't tell the project managers my age until like, I mean, it was a few weeks ago, actually. <laughs> but um, I just, I wanted to wait until I knew they wouldn't hold that as a standard for my abilities. Um, and then there's, you know, there's not always kickback as far as like, if I have to tell people what to do, I definitely have to be more respectful in order to get them to listen, you know, mm -hmm. just cause no one wants to be, you know, talked down to from, from a kid. So I definitely have found it's best to just be respectful and 
talk to them like like we're in, we're on the same team and stuff. Uh, that's one thing that I've found as well. If you talk to them like you're superior or anything like that, they they take it as offensive. If you treat them like a team, which you should, um, any successful contractor is going to have a, a solid team. Everything tends to go pretty good, but I've definitely seen that myself because I was right around 21, 22 when I was doing the same, um, smaller scale, but I definitely got this, the same from the older guys. They didn't like it, but then once you got that team going and they, they know you well, everything everything's pretty smooth sailing. So I know you had an in into the trades, um, similar to myself, similar to Breck as well. Um, what do you personally think? I, I know we just sat um, with NKBA and Bridgier talking to Las Vegas high school students about this. What do you think are some things that someone younger could do to land a spot like you or I have? I think the biggest thing is, well, I know you've mentioned it before too, but if you want it, just, you can literally just ask for it. You know, there's, there's a labor shortage right now. So you're really likely to find a job if you go looking for one in the trades. Um, but as far as getting into a role where you're more of an asset and more impactful in the actual building process, I think the biggest thing is just educating yourself or receiving education any way that you can. Um, I think that's just the biggest propellant you can get as far as uh, building yourself up as much as possible. We've, we've talked about that quite a bit, being a sponge, regardless of the situation, positive or negative, you can learn from just about anything. Um, what does your guys' hiring process look like, if you don't mind me asking? Do you guys have like a thorough background check and all that? Because like, just to where, you know, what we do, we'll hire people off of a phone call. It doesn't have to be a full on three interviews and all that good stuff. We'll hire you just if we think you're good people. How, how is that for you guys? It's pretty similar. The last person that we hired was basically a, like a telephone thing, you know, over text. So I was texting this guy and then I was texting my dad at the same time and I would just like relay questions. And then within like a 15 minute text conversation, it was like, all right, see you on Monday. Yeah, uh, that, that's real similar to us. One thing that we'll do is bring them out and let them meet everybody on the crew just where we could see if they're going to be a good fit. Right off the bat, you can kind of get a feel for if they're going to fit in or not. And if they do, wing it and give them a shot. What's the worst that happens? You have to fire them. Jared, I'm curious to ask, where do you go when you uh, when you want to learn more about the trades? Because you and I have chatted um, so many different times on how you're very avid about like Googling things, going through different forums, learning, bringing things back to the job site. I feel like construction just as a whole, like you get so many different pay rates. Like if you Google, like how much can you earn by being a carpenter in California or Denver? I think there's all this like misinformation out there. And like, what has it been like for you to acquire the proper information to help you succeed in the industry? Like, where do you go and how, how do you go about these things? Mm -hmm. I mean, my dad has been a huge asset. I mean, I've always been asking him questions and throwing curiosities at him. Um, and then from there, it's just been other, there's a lot online, you know, um, whether that be YouTube or even on Instagram, I would, I would. I would literally just like, if I found a framer who I could tell was like really good and like knew a lot of stuff that I wanted to learn, I would like DM them and see if they'd, see if they'd respond and had like a, probably a 60, 40 success rate. But even then, like whenever it was a success, they'd be super willing to share advice and stuff. And then, you know, whenever I do work with older guys, even if I feel like, ah, I could probably work faster than him or something, I still, there's still something in there that, you know, I could learn from. Um, I've, I've gone to other jobs that, we're just like within walking distance of the job that we're at and just been like, Oh, are you running this? And like, and, or, you know, just talk to people in person. 
asking questions. Another thing online is like you said, forums and stuff. A lot of times I'll kind of hone in on something that I want to learn. And then I'll just try to research that specifically. Other times I'll find like a certain source, you know, like a certain individual that maybe has content or is getting back to me. Like, and we're having conversations, um, tends to go something like that. For anyone that's younger and listening or anybody that's entry level into a trade that wants to learn more, you can take what he's just said in the last minute about not only learning on site, but learning at home. In order to be successful with literally anything that you do, you cannot stop once you're off the clock. You have to keep learning anywhere and everywhere possible, whether that be at home, whether that be on site, anywhere you can. There is enough information to build a house from the ground up on YouTube or on Google. You can figure anything out. It's all about your drive. I want to ask Jared, just out of curiosity, um, have any of your peers from high school um, or, or close friends followed down a similar path in the skilled trades? Or did they mostly go off the uh, the college route? Uh, majority of them have actually joined me. I, I've actually noticed the other day that I could say that any person that I would ever qualify as one of my best friends has either worked with me at some point or actively works with me. So quite a few of them have, you know, gone into the trades. Um, and a lot of times it's just like, yeah, we'll try it for the summer. You know, it's a, you know, decent summer job. And then they enjoy it and decide to stick around stuff like that. See, that's what we have to do. We have to be able to show these people that it's not just a decent summer job. It's a good career. What, what's been the biggest difference to you, Jared, um, when you identify someone that actually wants to stick with the industry versus that person that just is working with you guys on the weekends or that summer job? Is, it, is there some little detail that you can, you can kind of gauge if that, if that person's going to stick around or not? Um, usually it's just by how much they enjoy it or even if they just like talk about it like mm -hmm. i remember we we hired a new guy and then like uh he said something like oh i want to like i want to get a new tool or something and i was like oh yeah like that'd be cool you should get it and like he came back the next day and like he actually had it and i was like oh you actually you actually did want it like i thought maybe you were just saying that it so it's that they're more than talk mm -hmm. and that that tends to be it it's kind of like follow through with with uh following through with their own interest i guess that's one thing I've noticed a lot too, is people that ask questions on lunch. If it's something as simple as why a stud goes here, what a hold down is. If they, if they show any interest at all, you can kind of gauge whether or not they're going to be into it for the long run, or if it's just for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of goes back to, to Jared's topic that he was talking about a couple minutes ago is um, I think the biggest learning lesson so far is that you can reach out to these people that are doing a similar trade as you reach out, get their knowledge, ask them questions about the trade because there's so many people full of knowledge in the industry. And I mean, we've talked about this before, Matt, on, on previous podcasts, but like because there's a workforce, uh, a generational workforce shift going on, that also means that knowledge is going with it. Mm -hmm. And so you need to tap the older generation and the veterans. And, and I really like what you said, Jared, on like you, you never talk down to them. You're always like picking their brain for the lack of better words, asking them questions, um, being respectful because that's a huge repository of information that you need to take with you on the job site. Because sure, maybe as a, a next generation person listening to this, you might be able to run laps around someone on the job site, but you don't know everything and you haven't experienced everything. And that's where the real industry training comes from to be really, really effective at your job is to reach out, get mentored, because um, all of that knowledge is out there for you to get. 
I've noticed that even on social media, not that I'm an expert by any means, I've gotten so many messages and they always start out with, Matt, I really hate to bug you, but how do I do this? Or how do I do this? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm all for sharing information. I, I want to be able to help people, but they almost think of it. And I know they do this on site too. They think of it as if you're bugging them or it's a burden to have to show you how to do something or teach you. Um, a lot of laborers that we've had or apprentices, they feel scared or intimidated to ask questions. So they'll screw something up beforehand and then figure it out afterwards. And it's like, if you, as long as everyone's in a decent mood and things are going smooth, if you ask questions, it's going to get answered nine times out of 10. So you might as well do it. I'll actually, can I counter that with a question for you? <laughs> for me? Yeah. Of course. So if I happen to see somebody who is doing something wrong, I tend to just wait and then let them see and then see if they'll ask a question. Is that better than if I just say that they should be doing it this way instead? Or I don't know. That, so for instance, if, if you screw something up on a large scale and it, it affects you a lot, you're never going to make that mistake again. So I hired a high school friend of mine in 2018. He worked with us for a little bit. He ended up taking off. Things got slow for a bit. He installed hangers, H H1s, not hangers, my bad. He installed H1s on all of our interior walls when they only go on exteriors. And he, he installed a lot of them. All of them were nailed off. And we told him shortly after, like, I saw him do it. And I, I knew that he only had a couple more to go. And I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll let him finish up and then I'll go talk to him. And I went over there and I told him, I was like, these are all wrong. I was like, we need to take all these off. And he, he pulled nails on those H1s for a couple hours. And I could have told him early on if he only did one and he would have just pulled however many nails, eight nails. But having to pull a couple hours worth of nails, he never screwed it up again. So if it's something that's only going to take a couple hours, I'd say go for it and let him screw mm -hmm. up. Because if you catch it early on and just tell him like, hey, this is wrong, you might know it, but they might do it again. So I definitely think about it beforehand, but yeah, letting them screw up every now and then it's kind of a good thing. Okay. That's reassuring. Is that, <laughs> is, is that how you do it? Every, every now and again, but I think it's also driven by the fact that I tend to be uh, non-confrontational, but uh, it apparently has benefits. So I'm cool with that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I kind of want to feel you out and see where you're going in a lifetime rather than just at 19 and 20. Uh, you're very early on in your career and you've accomplished quite a bit already just from talking to you. I'm curious to know what you've got in plan for later on. Is running Framing Crews your end goal? If not, what is the ideal future looking like? I mean, I really like the the scale kind of of the company that we have at the moment. I really like that it's large enough, you know, to make a good profit and to supply good jobs for the employees, but also um, not like, but small enough that I could still I could still work as, you know, a laborer on the job site. I really mm -hmm. like that. Um, so I kind of want to just, you know, keep it where it's at. And then my kind of personal goal is to basically just, I, I just, this is maybe naive to say, but I just want to have the best crew possible pretty much. Like I want to have the best guys and just be able to teach them to be the best and just basically be, be a no brainer option for anybody if they want anything done. There is no shame in wanting a good crew. That's solid. It reminds me of the, uh, Jared, it kind of reminds me of the, the Richard Branson quote. It's, um, what is it? It's uh, train people so well that they can leave, treat them so well that they don't want to. 
Like that's, that's the path that you're going down. And I think that's really cool because I think a lot of the industry needs to invest in their crews more heavily versus uh, shying away from investing in their crews because they're scared to leave. And I mean, you're, you're kind of like building that dynamic within your own crew, even being a next generation person, uh, being a lead uh, carpenter and everything, but you're just building and priming that environment. Your drive is going to take you far. At 19, you, you care more about what you're doing than most people in their mid-20s. So stick with it. You're going the, far. The fact that you uh, did our little thing with NKBA and Bridge here to talk about the next generation and careers and everything. I remember you telling me you're, you're like super nervous to do it and everything. You were doing the video thing on, on the job site and everything. But I just really appreciate you doing that because that's, that's ultimately what this next generation needs to see is like guys like you, guys like Matt, like people fresh out of high school or fresh out of the trade school, because I think that's the biggest disconnect is when they go to these career fairs and I'm not dogging on anyone listening to this, if you're a veteran in the industry, but it's just really, really hard for a next generation person to connect with someone who's 30 years older. It's mm-hmm. just the, the gap and to, to put yourself in the shoes of someone who's like a senior vice president or like uh, a superintendent or whatever it is, it's just so far fetched. And it's just awesome that you've been able to, to put yourself front and center to talk to the next generation. And ultimately they're going to create a really strong connection with you because now they know exactly what to expect coming out of the trade school. And I just, I just really admire that you're taking that, that initiative. Those kids were stoked. <laughs> I sure they, hope so. They got this <laughs> first hand out there. No, I, I agree with that. It's, it, it's not really, how do, how do I put this? It's, it's hard to relate if I'm standing there at 15 years old looking at somebody that's mid-40s telling myself, I can be there in 30 years. But when you've got someone that's 19 here that's already doing great things, I can be there in four or I can be there in five or six. That's a lot more relatable. So I, I think we definitely need to put you up on a pedestal there and, and get you in front of as many eyes as possible. I can help with that. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. You're good with it. You've got it. <laughs> do you do you think there's anything like off the top of your mind right now that that you wish the next generation knew that you know now? Um, I mean, I would still hold myself as a part of the next generation. So as far as things that they don't quite know, I probably don't know it either. But <laughs> as far as, far as the, <laughs> but as far as the things that. I don't know. I think the biggest thing is just the the practicality and the value of knowledge and, you know, attaining that because ultimately I think that's the only reason that I am uh, where I'm at as far as positions and abilities go. It's just the uh, knowledge and the, the desire to pursue that. You have a good drive. You have a real good drive. If you could go to college for anything, just another off the top of the head question. If you could go to college for anything, what would it be? Uh, would you? I, uh, I, if there was anything related to framing, I probably would. Oh, actually, I'd maybe go for like music theory or something. Um, just another little side hobby. But what's what's that side hobby? Oh, I got a I got a band. Oh, <laughs> I got a. We're plugging SoundCloud links. Here we go. Yeah, what's your oh, SoundCloud, gosh. Jared? Oh, that's that's confidential. <laughs> I'm digging it up, and we're gonna do a little swipe up for you. All righty. We're going to wrap up with our fast five. I wrote these questions once again, so you know they are top notch. Breck, lead the way, buddy. 
All right, guys, before we wrap up our episode, we end with our fast five. Five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. Jared, you ready to go? I think so. All right, one, what's your energy drink of choice? Rockstar. Love it, man. Two, let's say Elon Musk can get us safely to Mars. Are you going? Only if they need buildings framed. Do you need framers? <laughs> exactly. I love it, dude. Have tools, we'll travel. Number three, Hitachi or pass load? Hitachi, although I'm looking for a pass load. Just oh, to try it out. No, don't do that. Okay, <laughs> noted. All right, noted. I'm going to ask the next question because I wrote this one. If you were a worm, how long would you be? Modest three. <laughs> and <Inches? then laughs> Imperial or... or uh, or metric, whichever, whatever you prefer. A man of many sizes. There we go. I love it, Jared. And then number five, on a way less serious note from the last question, what does bread to build mean to you? I would say it just means that when it comes to building, that's just the number one most fulfilling thing I can do with my time. That hit home right there. All right, Jared, thanks so much for joining us on the Bread to Build podcast. Before we let you off the hook, where can people find and connect with you? Um, yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram for uh, at Kaufman Construction and also at McJared. I'm loving it. And then also at, uh, <laughs> at Hammer. Love it, man. Oh, Guys, thank you for listening to the sixth episode of the Bread to Build podcast with Jared Kaufman, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like this episode, you like what we're doing, drop an awesome review or show us some love on social media. Also, thank you to everyone that keeps sharing the episodes on social media. If you'd like to join us on the podcast or have topics that you'd like us to cover, send us an email at breadtobuildpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow us on social, you can find me on all platforms at Brett Goen, at We Are Hammer, at Builders Vista on Instagram, and you can follow me on the Hammer app. The man of many handles. You guys can find me on social media at Matt Bangswood on nearly every social outlet. And just, just to spice things up a little bit, I will Venmo $50 to the next person on the podcast that is younger than Jared. We'll see you guys next time on the Bread to Build Podcast. Tonight, tonight.